Hi friends, welcome to Reading Minds, where ordinary people talk about extraordinary books. I'm Annie, and today I'm here with my besties, Shannon and Susie, and we are talking about Gone with the Wind this month. it was let's talk about our drinks really quick since they're not really related at all cool and then we'll go from there (laughs) so oh i'm not pregnant anymore i have not announced that on the podcast yet so we have a baby yeah his name is cooper and he's the best so i'm drinking wine because i can (laughs) yeah so it's a petite syrah and it's delicious and i'm very happy that's all Annie, how soon after giving birth did you start drinking again? Um, I drank, like, the day we went home from the hospital because we had some Guinness in the fridge. Nice. Yeah. You were like, I can drink again. It's like, give me one of those. (laughs) Yep. It was great. I got jealous of Annie's wine and went downstairs to get wine (laughs) and then was rudely surprised by the fact that wine goes bad after you open it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i've never really had that happen before because i don't let it wait sit for as long as it does um but yeah the wine plan got nixed but i still wanted to be in the alcohol club that sounds bad and so i it's not bad it's not bad and so i'm drinking uh a ale with pineapple and passion fruit called a wowie gross and it's not really <laughs> southern at all cool cheers is that a rheingeist (laughs) yeah it's rheingeist i'm not sure what where mine is from but i'll figure that out when i leave the room and look in the kitchen but i feel like this would pair well with things from the south Mm. because you know it says it pairs bright pineapple with apple and tart passion fruit right right passion fruit fresh from the south sounds more (laughs) like hawaii no, because, like, you can grow those things in the south, sort of, if it's really hot. Only, like, Florida, you can also but anyway. Grow apples in the north. Shh. <laughs> just, <True>. just saying. <laughs> it's so, reconstruction. I am, I am the only person drinking a true southern drink, bourbon. Solid. Which originated in the south. If you, can t- if you count Kentucky as the south. Which kind of is up for contest, because technically they were kind of, like, on that Union South border. But that's Kentucky the was point. the South, wasn't it? I always thought so. Just, like, the freedom. It was, freedom like, road. even if it was originally, they didn't secede. So, de facto, kind of not. Mild. Because they were on, like, the border southern. of the North, so the North kind of just, like, claimed them. Oh! It right. does say on Kentucky's website that they were neutral. Correct. So they didn't secede, but they weren't exactly a part of the North, but they just kind of became de facto part of the Union because of the fact that they were so close in proximity mm-hmm. that they basically, like, went through Kentucky to the South, so. But interesting it fun fact. It sounds fact. like it has Confederate leaning, so is this? Right. I mean, they are, they had slaves, so. No, it says Kentucky Confederate Civil War Union. I take it back. 
I don't know. This is from Wikipedia, though. I think some, know. I think since it's a neutral state, some people probably went to the south to help, and then other people went to the north. Oh, but that makes sense. But anywho, <laughs> um, I'm drinking bourbon. It's Four Roses, Kentucky bourbon, um, and it's delicious. And it's not, oh, shoot, was it? It's just like the normal average Four Roses. It's not like the super single batch special one. Although I would like to try that one at some point, so. It's basically a bunch of different bourbons that they distilled together. Like, from different distilleries that they, like, blended together. Mm, It's a blend. Sounds good. Yep. If only I had some sweet tea, then it would be such a great South Carolina drink. Sweet tea and bourbon. That sounds good. Apparently that's their state drink, so. Their state drinks? Well, sort of. It is. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like the Buckeye Martini, and it's like gin and vermouth, which I'm like, I like gin, but I'm not really a big vermouth person. So I it's don't like not, gin. Not my thing. I like, but other states are water. I like spiced gin, but I don't like just clear, normal gin, because I think it tastes like a cleaning product. I like gin and yep. tonic. I don't. <laughs> I feel like a gin martini with vermouth tastes Guys. kind of like pine. That's my opinion. The Ohio <laughs> official beverage is tomato juice. Okay. I can that do tomato like, juice, though. Yeah. It's on the but, Ohio historical guys, site. I actually learned, now that this has any relevance to the podcast, but it's interesting. In certain states, like, the drinking laws are very, very strict. And in, I think in Utah, they're, like, the strictest. And I think you can only have alcohol that's, like, 3.5% which is, like, oh. really low. And really? if you ever if you ever order a drink, like a mixed drink or something, they have to, like, do it in the back. Like, they can't mix it in front of you. It's, like, illegal to do that. Huh. But that's, like, roofies. What? I don't know. And then, also, if you, like, want to go out for a drink, you have to get food, too. You're not allowed to just get a drink. I did not know that, Shannon. Mm-hmm. Weird stuff. Fascinating. But, Anywho, back to the Civil um, War. <laughs> now we'll probably talk about yeah, probably talk about our readings mainly because it's such a huge book, and as Annie was talking about earlier, it's really hard to talk about a book without your feelings about the book coming out. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna go ahead and get that yeah. part out of the way, so you're not like wondering the whole time. Yeah, and we're also kind of all over the place on this one. Like I think we have probably the widest range of ratings for this book than any other book we've done. So yeah, right. it'll, it'll be, it's, it'll be fun. <laughs> I can go first. Okay. Because I'm in the middle of the road. Um, Share your feelings. So growing up, I really liked the movie Gone with the Wind because of just like the storytelling, this vast new novel coming to life with the like old South and then seeing it through um like a southerner's eyes because like all three of us grew up in technically like what was the union and um we just don't really get that perspective that much um so you know it's just cool to like yeah read about Mm -hmm. like the parties and it was more like a romantic novel at that point because you know she was this young girl who had love interests and was throwing plates and all that stuff and then Mm -hmm. um i also just like u.s history and so seeing the civil war come about and all of you know how she portrayed 
the bloodshed and the fight from both sides. I really did, and like I do like the book, but I also have a lot of mixed feelings about it just because of how the author treats some topics. Um, so I, cause I feel like she idealizes the South or supports things like things that we shouldn't support or how they, dis- <laughs> uh, yeah, or how she describes and portrays slaves, you know, how like they were always treated well in the book and it just doesn't really um, accurately portray, I think, the history. Um, so I gave it, if I could give it a 2.5, I would. But I'll round up to a 3, I guess, because you can't do that. But I'm giving it a 3 <laughs> because I do like it. Like, it is a good book, and it's this, it is, like, great storytelling. Um, but I just don't like how the author, you know, puts her own ideas into it or kind of mixes it with history or yeah, how she treats subjects. And I'm sure we'll talk all about later. So, yeah, three. Okay, who's next? <laughs> Who wants to go next? Oh, man. Um, how about you go next, Annie? Okay. So, I feel like it takes a lot for me to actually get to this point, but I actually would say that I, like, hated this book. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of little reasons that went into this, and a lot of them are, like, alluded to by Susie. Um, but I think, in general, to sum up, in a big idea. I think authors of historical fiction have more of a responsibility to their leaders, not leaders, readers to tell the truth. And this book, it takes into, um, like serious detail, like little things about the civil war. And I, I even read that she took into account like the weather on certain days that certain battles took place. So there's a lot of good detail about the history of the civil war but she also reads back into it some of like the social issues of the 30s from which time that she's writing and it's it makes it very easy to just accept the book like as a whole i just think it's kind of lying (laughs) and also calling good or not good things but calling evil things good with um and i think this is one of the things Uzi is talking about but an example of this would be how she treated the Ku Klux Klan. And it's kind of just, it's kind of an apology for the South. So it's justification for a lot of the evils that we see in the South. And obviously, I'm not saying that the South was totally all evil. Not all aspects of it were evil. But in general, slavery is bad. And a lot of the things that happened were bad. And the things that she's saying were good were not necessarily good. So... We'll get into a lot of that, I'm sure. But that is my opinion. So, cool. That's it. What rating did you give it? <laughs> like a one. Like the lowest, lowest of the low. That's where I'm at. So, I'm polar opposite. Um, But I think it's because I didn't go into the book thinking, oh, this is going to be a fully accurate depiction of history because it's fiction to me so I wasn't expecting it to be you know accurate in the sense of like the true horrors of slavery mainly because I didn't really think that was the point of the book was to be about slavery I thought it was going to be more about the main character um and her her actual journey um and I mean I would definitely agree with some of the things that Annie and Susie said about the fact that I do think she kind of only paints slavery in a 
good light to an extent. Um, but I also don't necessarily think, like, there's only one real line in the book that ever condemns slavery. And it's, like, only once, and that's it. But to me, like I said, I thought it was kind of interesting to read a perspective that was different than what I've always been taught. So for me, I wasn't going into it expecting, like, Uncle Tom's Cabin or something. I wasn't, I knew that's not the perspective I was going to be getting. Um, and so I didn't go into it expecting it to be, like, totally without things that are, I don't know how to phrase this well, that, like, you we didn't know want today it to be, to be like, absolutely, like, a historical textbook. Right. I knew it wasn't going to be that, but, like, I knew it wasn't going to be totally, like, you know, the South's horrible and, like, you know, because it's about the South, right? So it's not going to necessarily always paint them in a bad light. And I do think it did paint some things in a bad light to an extent, um, but definitely could have done more so in that. But, I mean, I personally, and this is probably about a different opinion than these two ladies but I enjoyed the fact that she had good relationships with the slaves because so many times all we ever see is that they were horribly treated and that they weren't even human and I'm not going to say that Scarlett was not racist because she definitely was and said horrible like bad things in terms in terms of not like necessarily treating them as like a human should be treated but I really did enjoy her relationships that she had with um the slaves that had been in her family for a long time and seeing that how important they were to her and her family and how they were important to each other in the end. Um, I do think that there were definitely plantations out there like that. It's not that like all slaves were horribly treated. It's just the fact that they weren't, you know, they were property. Like it's like the fundamental. Right. Yeah. Um, But it is true that it's like Scarlet came from a family that, was more humane like that did view right. the slaves as part yeah. of the so, family you know for her she might have not and this is like getting into the weeds she might have not ever um seen and like she did say that she'd never really seen that perspective of like slaves that were treated horribly it doesn't mean it didn't exist she just wasn't aware of it so that was just her right and i'm not right there i'm not condemning scarlet like the characters right. mm-hmm. ideas of the slaves i'm more condemning margaret mitchell as an author, because even in her description, like, yes, it's the 1930s, so she was probably also racist, let's be honest. Oh, for sure, <laughs> I mean. So, there's a lot of description of the slaves as, like, being ape-like, which is kind of definitely racist. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, that's besides the point. Um, we'll also, get to that. Yeah, um, um, but I do agree, like, that Scarlet's family did treat their slaves humanely, because that's definitely what we see in the book um but I do think Margaret Mitchell was using that to uh, like romanticize the south and to show like oh hey most people didn't actually beat their slaves and she even addresses like as you mentioned Uncle Tom's Cabin like that book was Mm -hmm. even mentioned in Gone with the Wind to say hey I didn't even see this happening around me right but that and that was just like Scarlett's perspective obviously but like yeah But for me, like I said, it was interesting, mainly because I don't ever see that perspective of, like, hey, not all of us were horrible human beings 100% of the time, Mm -hmm. right? And so, like, not all of us, you know, were just, like, terrible to these slaves and whatever. So, I mean, like, to me, 
that was interesting. That was different. And so yeah. I enjoyed that. And it's not necessarily that I think, oh, that automatically makes slavery correct and, like, that book necessarily didn't have any racism in it. And I totally think that. But, like I said, I enjoy for the first time getting to read from a different perspective that didn't just a 100% condemn the South, um, you know, and say basically, like, they got what they deserved kind of thing. Because right. that's what I always have been taught. And so it was nice to know, like, you know what, maybe there weren't, hor- like, so maybe some of them weren't horrible, you know, right. which is what it's, I always thought. It's so, always good to see some nuance. And, like, more than that, um, I really enjoyed the writing style. I really enjoyed, like, her characters, and, like, I enjoyed how you know, she took us into this world that, like, I never in my dearest daydreams would ever think that I would have the chance to glimpse, you know, besides just in a textbook. So that, in, like, that perspective, it was really interesting for me because I'm so used to reading period dramas from the British culture and different ones like that, never from American. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was very, very refreshing to read something from my own country that, like, you know, actually happened. I mean, this is fiction, right? But, like, Civil War happened and, like, gets a glimpse into that world that I never would otherwise from just reading a textbook because the textbook's, yeah. you know, history. And that's one reason right? why I really did like the book because, you know, I liked seeing the lifestyle and the people and what they mm-hmm. were thinking. Like, it's kind of crazy how they really thought that they were going to win quickly. Right. Like, mm-hmm. very I, quickly. I, I just, I love that whole idea. I loved the fact that, like, I got to see that when I never had before. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I finished the book and we'll get to the ending the ending kind of made me decide giving it not a five star but a four star and I'm sure we'll get to the ending but that was kind of why I decided you know what I can't really give this a five star because like I was not exactly happy with like a lot of the last fourth of the book I mean you can talk about it now I mean we'll get to it there's like so much to talk about I don't want to just like (laughs) spend the whole time talking about my rating (laughs) but um (laughs) But yeah, there's like a lot to unpack. So we'll start with sentences uh, now that we've kind of go, gone over our ratings. So now you kind of have an idea of, you know, what we're thinking, feeling going into this. Yeah, so. where we're coming from. All so, right. So want to start us out, Annie? Yeah, I can start. Gone with the Wind is a novel set in the South during the Civil War and Reconstruction, following the life of a young member of the elite, Scarlett O'Hara, as well as others she comes into contact with as they attempt to survive. I can go next. The Old South, the Civil War, and the time of Reconstruction all explored through the eyes of Scarlett O'Hara, a woman with gumption intent upon surviving and even thriving in this crucial time of our country's history. A book like no other, Gone with the Wind explores one of our nation's bloodiest conflicts from the perspective of a woman who does what it takes to survive. Through the Civil War and after, we see the changes in Southern society and the struggle of people so ingrained in their culture to shift to post-war life. Nice. Well, since we all had it in our sentences, we should talk about the idea of survival first, because I think we all use that word in our sentences. Yeah. And that was a big, big idea in the book. Right. So, in this book, and I think... Like, this is what Margaret Mitchell is trying to explore, is the idea of survival and who, like, what character qualities and what attributes it takes to get through, like, this horrible event of the Civil War and this Reconstruction, which is also a horrible time. Um, So Scarlett O'Hara is definitely, like, her main character, that she 
like uses as an example of how to survive in this time but also we see characters like Melanie and Ashley and Rhett Butler and like her family so there's a whole I don't know what the word is a whole bunch of different people and different kinds of people that we see making it through the war there's a whole bunch of like perspectives yes yeah that's the word and like it's funny that you bring up the theme of um survival um because in the back of my book it says that margaret mitchell wanted to write a book about people thrown into a situation in which they all had to somehow survive Mm -hmm. and why which ones did well and why which ones didn't even though they all kind of started with the same equipment so Mm -hmm. to speak so it's interesting that like you bring that up because that's like literally that's what the, the book. book is supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and we all—that means we're good readers. We all figured out what the main the main <laughs> idea, idea is. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Well, I feel like it was not obvious, but kind of obvious as yeah. like it was just like her never-ending goal to survive. Like, yeah, to yeah, like we watch her right. walk through the yeah. war. Yep. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, I think her perspective and her, Scarlet specifically, I think her desire to survive kind of evolved over time Mm. because for a long time she didn't, like, survival wasn't really, like, on the forefront. I would say until mm, late Civil War. Mm. Um, I would say really up until the time when she had to watch over Melanie when she was, you know, waiting to give birth. Um, I think that's, like, when I first really saw her trying to survive was, you know, when Atlanta was under attack. The doctor she was, wasn't like, in coming, this, yeah. Right. She's in this impossible situation trying to help her sister-in-law give birth when no one's left in town. No one can help her. She's never delivered a baby in her life, even though she's had one. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have to do this. Like, she, you know, she was determined that she was going to help her have this baby and also get out of Dodge, like get out of Atlanta yeah. as soon as humanely possible. And that was not a small feat. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's because she didn't realize that she was really in a situation where she had to survive because she was just kind of yeah. in like society in um, Atlanta. And they didn't really feel the effects of war until, yeah. until about that point. Yeah, they felt the mm-hmm. small effects. Like having right, to, like know, clothing. Yeah, like yeah. get stuff and I mean, from different resources. Her husband had died at that point, so yeah. there is that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. she was like married to him for two months or something like that. Oh man! And then he died from but pneumonia. Also... He like wasn't even in the war. Man, yeah. when she married uh, Charles, right? Charles, his name, right? Yeah. yeah. So she had three. When she husbands. married Charles. That almost was the first point in the book where I was like, really, Scarlet, really. Because it was like she was just getting back at herself because, like, Ashley was going to marry Melanie. She's like, well, I need to get... Yeah. Like, it was just, like... It was out of spite. Yeah. I was just chalking that up. Oh, it was for sure out of spite. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, she... For those of you who don't know, she, like, is really deeply in love with this guy named Ashley. They're neighbors. But he's betrothed to his cousin, Melanie. And she's like, but she can't possibly... Like, he can't possibly love her. Because, like, he loves me and I love him. Which, at that point, we just know that she loves him. We don't know that he loves her. Yeah, I figured, like, no way. (laughs) Yeah, same. At that point. And, you know, because she's 16, like, she's a child, basically. And she's acting like a child. 
not that I would have done that when I was 16, but culture different, right? Hopefully not. <laughs> and yeah. because of, you know, the fact that he basically rejects her, is like, no, I'm still marrying her anyway. Like, we wouldn't suit each other long term, which I really don't think they would have. The, we can talk about that, him, later. But, like, anywho, no. she married Melanie's brother. Drama. <laughs> to, to spite Ashley. So... Yeah. And I also feel like a little part of her was like, then I get to be a part of Ashley's life forever. Or she realized Which she that was. later and she, on. Yeah, she really yeah. was. And throughout the book, she definitely set herself up to be like, oh, Ashley and I are going to see each other all the time. Cause, I mean, I'm going to hang around Melanie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then it was just like, interesting because I'm like, oh, that was a really stupid decision. Like, you shouldn't have gotten married. And then she got married, and then her husband died from pneumonia. Like, he hadn't even seen the battlefield. Mm -hmm. He died from pneumonia within two months or something of their marriage. Yeah. But it was enough time for her to have a child. Yeah. Or, like, get pregnant. I was like, wow, that's impressive. She got pregnant really fast, because it's not like he was there the full two months. Like, he was there for, like, two weeks, and he's gone. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. But, um... Yeah, I mean, to me, that was, like, the start in the book of all of these shotgun marriages, even though shotgun's not the proper term, but, like, really quick marriages because of the war going on. What did they mm-hmm. call it, like, leave, um, leave marriages? Or, like, there's something that scene like that. where they're, like, every time those soldiers come back from leave, there's, like, all of these marriages. Everyone's where like, getting married. Kiss their husbands right. goodbye and they go away. Right. So, from the beginning, I knew that this was going to be a drama-filled book. Oh, yeah. Which it was. For sure. Yes, which it really was. And I think the thing I was, like, kind of sad about was that I really thought, you know, Scarlett, she's this, she has such a fiery and vivacious and, you know, um, stubborn personality that I really, truly thought, you know, when she gets older, when she's seen stuff, she'll realize, you know, Ashley isn't for her and she'll move on because that's what people do. They don't just hang on to their first love forever forever and ever and ever and just, you know never get over them but she just never did (laughs) until like the very end of the book and I was like I just don't understand why you still like this guy like you're pretty you have plenty of fish in the sea Rhett seems to like you so why aren't you just like just move on (laughs) exactly um so that's like one thing that I was frustrated about Scarlet was that she was too almost too stubborn for her own good because she wouldn't let stuff go Mm -hmm. And yet, we see her as being very, like, successful by the end of the book. So, obviously, she has survived and thrived, as Susie put in her sentence. Correct. So, obviously, I think some of her stubbornness came into play there, too. And that was one of the things that Margaret Mitchell is saying is good for survival, is having a sense of, I don't know, Determination. Grit, determination, right. Like, I saw, like, the feel like the most grit ever when she got back to Tara, and she was like, mm-hmm. no, yeah. like, we're bringing this back, like, we're pulling this back together. Mm-hmm. You're right. like, dang. Yeah, because, so what Susie's talking about is, um, after the Civil War ended, well, it wasn't even after the Civil War It was ended. still during it. So, yeah. it was during the Civil War, mm-hmm. Tara had been, like saved from being burnt down which is happening to a lot of plantations yeah. during that time is civil war sold is her family's plantation right that's yeah. their family's plantation in georgia and she had gone back there after atlanta after melanie had the baby like they managed to f- somehow get back you know despite all odds despite a, de- a horse that died upon like a rival to to their house but 
um, they, she arrives and her mother is dead and her father is just not there anymore. Like mentally he's gone Mm -hmm. and doesn't know what to do. And so she basically has to take the reins, um, because basically all their money's gone because the can, or the, I had about to say Confederate, the union soldiers had burnt all of their crops, all of their, and that was all their money essentially. And they also only had like Confederate bonds, which were worth nothing. Right. Which were worthless. And also, um, the Union and Confederate soldiers had both confiscated their livestock and uh, a lot of their food crops uh, that were left. And so they had very little to survive on, and she managed to somehow turn it around. Because every single day, like, every time she had a worry in her mind, she'd always, like, say, I'll think about it later. Mm-hmm. I'll think about it later. Like, I have to do this. I have, you know. So she always was, like, you know, determined to not let her worries trouble her to the point where she would break down and just, like, cry from exhaustion. I probably would have broken down well before she ever did. So I truly do think that, like, that was a huge say to her character as a person and, like, I mean, she basically saved her family because without her, I don't think any of them would have ended up surviving. I think mm-hmm. they would have all starved to death. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think, and this is something we see throughout the book, is she's a very selfish person. Like, obviously, she gets married out of spite right away in the book. So she is doing all these things. And I think even saving her family, it was largely for herself because she wanted yeah. to bring Tara back to its original glory if you will she like needed their help she knew she couldn't do it right and she but she also knew she couldn't rely on her family so she was like well I've got to do this now and she was always very resentful of it too um like throughout the book we see her I don't know we see her holding grudges a lot and I think that also is part of her character because we also see her holding on to Ashley like the whole book right so I think she she just holds on to things which Which, can be good and no. can be bad. And, <laughs> yeah. I feel like some of her grudges were justified because, I mean, she was in an impossible situation. I mean, like, she's literally trying to survive. They're starving to death. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to basically hold all of her and her family's heads above water. And I think one of the grudges that I um, can p- picture off the top of my head is of her and Sue Ellen. Mm. And Sue Ellen was honestly, I'm just going to say it right now, because I know not everyone's like a fan of Scarlet, but Sue Ellen's like a brat. I'm just going to say that now. Yeah. Like, if you she, don't like Scarlet, Sue Ellen's like, yeah, yeah, Sue Ellen's much worse. <laughs> it's like, she's Sue like Ellen a spoiled brat. Sue Ellen doesn't even realize, like, what needs to be done. Like, it's just like, at least Scarlet is like, okay, like, I don't have time to go have conversations with people and have fun. Like, I got to get work done. Mm-hmm. I have to, like, keep this family alive. And so that requires me to not necessarily care. Like, I remember at one point, you know, her feet are bleeding because she has so many blisters and all this stuff. And Sue Ellen's like, oh, I don't feel like doing field work. That's, like, for field hands. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, do you think that if you don't do this, you're going to live? Because you're not. Like, do you not have any understanding that your life depends on you doing this work? Yeah. She didn't. And that's the thing that I think drove me crazy about Sue Ellen and why I don't blame Scarlett for being upset with her was because she had no idea of, like, anyone else besides herself and, like, her own wants and needs that were, had always been met because she had slaves to do this and that. But she doesn't anymore, and she never woke up from that nightmare. 
she like just wanted everyone else to wait on her still, which is like there's no one left. So I don't know what you expect. You got to do it yourself. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because I, to an extent, I also felt the same way about Scarlet because she like was mad that all the field hands were gone and that she had to go and do everything herself, which obviously yeah. like if you're not used to having to go and tend to the fields yourself, you're going to be a little mad about that. But she would always complain about everything that would happen to her as being like, oh, why is this happening to me? And this is the worst thing ever. And just everything like that, like even in her marriage and everything leading up to this point as well. Um, when there's literally a war going on around her and people are dying and that like that, not parallel, but that dynamic, I guess, like really bothered me throughout the book. And that bothered me about Scarlett's right. character. Yeah. I mean, it's like just, with the blisters, yeah. it's like, you've got some blisters, people are dying. Yeah. So. Right. And, like, half of me was, like, wondering, you know, had this been, like, had she been raised differently not to just expect everything to be done for her, would she have been this way? I don't know. It's, like, hard to say because it's, like, was that just Scarlet being who she was or was that because of the culture that she was raised in and her just having, you know, expectations that were, at that point, unreasonable? It's, well, like, hard to know. But we but also I have... Did on the other side, we have Melanie, who never complained right. about everything she had to do. And she came from about the same affluency as That's what I was Scarlet. thinking. How yeah. you, could, you could, like, read the book and be like, well, you know, Scarlet had slaves. And, like, Reconstruction is hard for the South for yeah. many reasons. But because, like, right. they literally had their workforce taken from them. Yes. And, like, rightfully so. Like, everyone agrees it's true. But I also can see just the domino effect impact it had on the entire southern half of the country right. um, but then you like look at Melanie and you're like well Melanie had slaves and she was raised in the south and she you know was kind to everyone and she and totally just, I will say up. Melanie was amazing yeah Melanie but, was almost too perfect <laughs> but she was naive she though. did have yeah. faults yeah she did have faults she was naive but more than that, I also think to an extent she was selfish too, mm. which like you don't, I feel like people like can just brush that aside because if you look at other culture or characters, you're like, oh man, they're so much worse. So yeah, she's on like the nothing spectrum. in comparison. <laughs> yeah. Right. On the spectrum. But like, I mean, look at the reason she died. It was her own fault. She wanted kids so badly. She was so jealous of the fact that Scarlett and other people could just easily have kids. She ignored the advice of her doctor and decided to try to have a kid anyway. And then she died because of it. So it's, like, you know, like, to an extent, you aren't without fault either because, like, you know, you wanted stuff that you knew you couldn't have and decided to do it anyway. Right. So, like, I did see that, and I was, like, you literally, like, cost your your son his mother because you wanted more. So that's a fault in her, too. Like, she wasn't satisfied. Right. But also, her desire to have kids, I think, is way, way more... I guess, justifiable than Scarlet's desire for Tara to be, like, yeah. back to its old splendor. I don't know. I can't. I mean, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's obviously, like, not the same thing. But, right. like. Like, I'm not justifying Melanie's character at all. But I'm. No, no, no. On the spectrum of things, again. Yeah. On the spectrum yeah. of things, obviously. Yeah. I mean, had this book been about Melanie, I feel like we perspectives would, would be like so her. different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. But, but I also think her biggest fault like while we're talking about Melanie <laughs> right right um this is one of the parts of the ending that really bothered me and I don't know if you if this is because so much happened at the end so yeah. we could all be going in different directions about the ending but 
when Melanie, so Melanie dies, so, spoilers, but Scarlet, she, like, she asks for Scarlet to come and see her, and Scarlet kind of has this realization that Melanie has been her only true friend true. this whole time, but I would disagree with that, because Melanie, and I think some of it was purposeful, she looked away from all of Scarlet's flaws, and she never, she never dealt with any of Scarlet's I don't know, her selfishness or anything. And a lot of it was because Scarlet veiled it and she just happened to do things that look good to other people. But Do you think Melanie wasn't actually a true friend because she didn't no. actually tell her anything right. that was wrong? Because real friends right. like, hold each other right. accountable. Yeah. Right. And a true friend is going to tell you things that you're doing wrong. Like, we do that to each other. Mm-hmm. So I would expect, like, a good friend dynamic to have some kind of confrontation for their flaws, I guess. I also think that Melanie just felt like she owed Scarlett a debt for saving her life, like, multiple times. Mm-hmm. Because she kept yeah. bringing that up of why she still was friends with Scarlett because of the fact that, like, she saved her life multiple times. Yeah. So I think, to me, it was like, even if she was bothered by the whole Ashley-Scarlett rumors, she's probably still felt, and this is obviously speculation, but she probably still felt like she owed her her allegiance because of that and so she felt like she didn't have any right to be upset which like you know and you even believe that which like mm, I don't necessarily think that that's like I mean I think you should have just asked personally yeah. and that's not like um, an equal uh, right like, give and take like but if you have rumors that your best friend is cheating on you or what is it yeah you your husband on your, is cheating on, your, on you yeah. with your best friend yeah. like just because they saved your life doesn't mean you shouldn't deal with that. Just say something. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think... I also think her... Oh, go ahead. Do you think that it also might be, like, I don't know, the culture of the I was going to say because that, you too. Always, you always see... I don't know if this is true, honestly, but you always see in, like, Southern movies or books um, people gossiping behind each other's back and never actually, like, saying to them what's wrong. Hmm. Like, you can and see it with, also, like, Scarlett's little 16-year-old friends about how they talk about each other, and they're, like, boyfriends. Right. Like, they never actually say it to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's hard to say that it's part of that specific culture. Like, that's something that we all do yeah, all the time. Yeah, we all do that, yeah. But I don't know if it's, if we can actually say that, like, well, that's just part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And also, if it is part of the culture, that's not, it's not good. No, well, it's not. Like, we would and say, I... like, if that's part of our culture, like, we shouldn't be doing that. Um... I feel like also more than just the culture, I feel like people nece- weren't necessarily coming and saying when they, when they were sharing things. For example, several older women were sharing things with Scarlett about how she should act differently. Personally, I don't think they were doing it from a place of, hey, friend to friend, like I'm trying to be loving towards you. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were trying to be like, hey, like this her. isn't how things are done. You shouldn't be doing this, so stop. You're embarrassing all of us. So, like, please rectify the situation and get your act together. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a real true friend wouldn't do that. So, to me, I also, like, I have a hard time with that because I feel like most of the time we actually see examples of that in this book. It's not that wasn't, out of friendship. Right, yeah. it wasn't. It was out of spite, so. Right. Or I wouldn't say necessarily out of spite, but it was about how you come across to other people. Which I think right. they saw as more of a moral standard rather than just a social, like, idea of how you should act. Right. Yeah. But 
obviously, like, it, it wasn't out of true friendship either. It was just straighten up. Mm-hmm. And, like, even when Melanie's friends were talking to her about Scarlet, and that's when, you know, Melly went on her defense of Scarlet mm-hmm. spiel, it, it still wasn't then, hey, like, friend to friend, I think, like, I'm concerned for you, I care for you, this is why I'm telling you this. It was like, oh, Scarlet sucks, like, she's this terrible person, why are you still friends with her? It was never about, hey, I care about you. It was, hey, let's bash Scarlet. Why are you friends with her? So, I don't know. I feel like we don't ever have good examples in the book of that happening. Like, we don't have much true friendship in the book. Right, so it's like, it's hard for me to know if that's a cultural thing. Right, so it's like, is that cultural or is that not? The only time we ever have someone, like, honestly speaking to someone else because they care about them and, like, are worried for them is, like, Mammy to Scarlet. And even that sometimes isn't always, you know, because of the goodness of their heart. (laughs) So. Right. Right. I don't know. And again, I think, like, this is a work of fiction, so we're not really going to know if that's cultural or if it's just for the sake of the story. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, But no, Melian was one of my favorite characters, even though, like, I at times wish she, like, would have had more grit and more Mm -hmm. oomph to her and could have stood up for herself. I did really love her as a character. I feel like she really balanced. She was almost like Scarlet's opposite. Yeah. And they almost, like, balanced each other. I definitely think the author did that on purpose. If they could have had a man who was similar similar to Melanie, or no, I don't know, one or the other. I feel like Rhett was perfect for Scarlet because they both were similar temperaments, but... I almost, like, feel like she needed someone to balance her out. Like, Melanie, but a guy for that. <laughs> I don't know. She, like, needed someone to rein her in. I mean, Ashley wasn't um, that. No, yeah. Ashley was not that. No. Almost, on, okay, Ashley, in my opinion, was weak sauce. I, I like did that not Ashley like Ashley kept stringing on I did on not Scarlet like Ashley at all. Like, when he was at married, all. I know. I personally, like, ugh, I just didn't like him. I didn't like anybody like, in this book. I like, not even Mammy. Yeah. I mean, okay, Mammy, out of all the characters, would be my favorite. Because she actually cared about things. I really like <laughs> Mammy. Yeah. Yeah. And she, like, that's, kind of that's spoke the one. mind, and she... Yeah. 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 I really like Mammy, too. But I really didn't like Scarlet. I really didn't like Rhett. I really didn't like Ashley. <laughs> there are a lot of people I really had distasteful like. feelings yeah. towards. And I think it's because all of the characters were written as archetypes. Like, they're all kind of extremes of a certain idea. Yeah. And that makes them just very loud and kind of in your face. And, yeah. So, uh, bring it back to Mammy. You know, we had been talking about the slave characters and um, just, like, their roles and how the book kind of tended to be, in some points, like, overly romanticized towards them and not really showing the brutality of slavery but then also kind of being really racist about them at the same time. I remember something Scarlett saying about how um, these, you know, like some of the freed black slaves or what African Americans were just kind of acting, in her opinion, very stupidly and, you know, people as if they needed someone to just tell them what to do. And she was like, why did they want us to, to free them? Like, they're so dumb, you know, they shouldn't be free or whatever. If, like, this is you know, what they wanted. I don't think they realized that, like, they shouldn't have freed Anyway, but um, I was kind of like, well, that's, like, racist <laughs> because 
I mean, it's only because you didn't teach them and you didn't give them opportunity that they don't know any better and don't know anything besides taking orders. So, like, that's honestly your fault, not necessarily because they lack intelligence. But, um, so I kind of was, like, wrestling with this idea while I was seeing stuff like that about how, you know, I'm reading this from a 21st century perspective, very hindsight, you know, 2020. And, yes, we still have racism today, but, you know, obviously when the book was written, definitely was racist, for sure. I mean, because 1930s was a racist time period. And, um, but I was just, like, thinking to myself, how would you write a book, even, like, in today's society, about a very racist time period without also, you know, being racist in that book? Because it's, like, almost like how you know, how would you accurately represent what that actually looked like and how bad that was without actually being true to that, in a sense, in the book. So that's something something that I was struggling with is, like, obviously, like, oh, man, this is racist, but, like, how could it not be racist because the time period itself was racist? So, like, how, you know, you, you wish that they weren't, but at the same time, like, that wouldn't be true to the time it was set in. So I was curious, like, what you guys thought about that. I think I know how a 21st century author would do it. I think I've seen it done before is that like the characters themselves to accurately portray honestly the historical time period like do have to be extremely racist they were they were racist um I feel like they would have put like a foreword in the book or like um a preface kind of explaining that like you know some of the parts of this book yeah promote (laughs) evil things but that's not right. Because you're honestly thinking of, like, the seventh grade person that's reading this. Mm-hmm. And maybe they haven't, like, learned all the right things or had to really differentiate between right and wrong. They're still learning. And I can just see, like, because the book is written very well. I could see them maybe, like, taking on some, like, leanings that are wrong. Um, not Not in today's age, I guess. But, like, just maybe. I don't know. But I feel like they may have put, like, uh... The warning. <laughs> the warning in the book. Yeah. But I also but I also think that the author may have taken it too far. Because you can tell that like that she is racist herself and that there are certain things, um, yeah, especially like when the KKK comes up, um, that you're just like, uh like I get you have to be racist. I understand, but like maybe this is too far. Like <laughs> Yeah, like maybe you are racist. Yeah. Cause there are certain things that I don't think actually propel the story. Um, it's just kind of there in your face. Yeah. And even like not just with the slaves and there was also her description yep. of the Irish because her father was very Irish and that was also a, a yeah. people group that was very discriminated yes. against. So I think that being in the 21st century, like, race is a huge topic that that we talk about a lot now, and it's a topic that's covered in a lot of books, too. And what I see now is that we tend to, like, moralize it, I guess, where we say, this is racism, this is bad, and I'm not, I don't think that that necessarily needs to be how you write about racism. Because I think absolutely your character should be racist if you are in, like, the antebellum South, because that's how it went. But... But you also don't think that it should just... You shouldn't just get a pass. Like, you shouldn't just be like, you can be racist. Yeah. Right. Right. But I don't think you should be like, hey, 
don't do this because this is bad. Like, you shouldn't have, like, a little disclaimer. Well, I feel like if there was a disclaimer, it would be, like, a long one. Like, actually unpacking a lot of the book before it even happens. Like, I'm talking, yeah. like, 20 pages. Like, 20 yeah, like pages. A large preface. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe yeah, like I'm not talking like one page. I'm not talking like one page. I'm talking like 20 or plus pages of like let's talk about like, this let's issue. Talk about this. But let's also not just yeah. skirt things underneath the rug and not talk about it. Yeah. Right. Right. I think this could have been avoided. Like first of all, if Margaret Mitchell wasn't racist, like that would make things a lot easier for sure. Um but also if you write about so my example of yeah. the Ku Klux Klan that might happen. I think it was in the yeah. second third Part of the book, three. or not second, like the third third. I feel like it was like three fourths, like towards the end, but not super towards the end. I don't know. Um, Point seven five. Yeah, somewhere closest <laughs> to the end. Anyway, <laughs> so with the Klan what they do is seen as totally good and what they are doing is going out and murdering people but you never like you know that that's what they're doing but everything that they do is praiseworthy in the book so i think if there was yeah like more i guess more of an accurate description of what was happening right right that the reader could see okay yeah. this is bad and like we know i see your point like bad. even if the characters were discussing the horrible things that happened in a good light they still are the author would still write out the horrible things that were happening. Like, because the book is, like, justification for the South, I think she over, like, oversteps her bounds, like, with racism and the Klan and all of that, because right. she sees mm -hmm. that as being a good thing. So she's going to write about it like it's Truth. a good thing, even though it is not. So I guess it's just more of how you write about it. I feel like she didn't really talk, like, a ton about the clan. Like, she definitely could have really yeah, gone into it. Yeah, it wasn't a huge and proponent. No, it wasn't huge. But I did think it was really interesting how she started off talking about the clan. Because, to me, you know, my understanding of the clan is, like, oh, it's just these white guys who are just so unhappy with the fact that, you know, they lost and that now blacks, you know, African Americans had freedom and had rights and could vote and all this stuff and they were just like you know what not having it let's go kill them all that's what I think I always had the perspective of right and so when I read in the book how she was like you know what initially it didn't actually start out being about hey let's go murder a bunch of people it started out about like hey let's defend our women's honor because they're being molested in the streets and if we try to raise a hand against a black person because of how the system is set up now with reconstruction we're the ones who are going to get hanged for it and these people who are molesting our women and not feeling like they can are like you know can kind of do it free-handed and not really get in trouble for it like we're paying the consequences and our women are you know like mortified by it right so I mean in a sense like I understood from that perspective of like why they started the clan originally was so that they could go you know from from the book's perspective right was so that they could go and um, essentially, like, scare these people and kind of, like, and I don't even know if they started out killing them or not. I, I could not tell you. That I'm unaware of. But um, she made it sound like it started out mainly to scare the people and kind of give them their comeuppance for, like, molesting and, like, um, being rude to their women because they just felt like they could 
and were being encouraged by a lot of like white Republicans who had moved into the area that they could. Um, not saying that's right because I think it turned into something that was absolutely horrible. I think it was absolutely horrible. Um, but it's like interesting to think of the fact that like maybe just maybe it didn't start out, but like you could say that, I guess you could say that about everything, right? Like the Nazis, like they probably didn't start out being horrible and then it turned into something being absolutely horrible. But I just say, I think like hearing you talk, it's just like a very slippery slope to go. Right, right. But like, and I obviously wasn't defending the Klan, but it was very interesting to see the perspective of like, oh, like maybe, you know, the very beginning of it wasn't meant with horrible intentions. And then obviously it very much became that. Um, obviously think the Klan is terrible, full disclaimer, like <laughs> horrible thing. I don't think anyone should even be a part of it today. It's we horrible. So please don't, the Klan. we do not support the Klan. <laughs> but I think that was just interesting that that's what she said. Like it started as was because of that. Right. And obviously it morphed into something that was yeah. much more than I that. Still, but I right. still feel like I thought she that was interesting. Oh, I'm, oh yeah, right. for sure. A, but I also thought it was interesting that like. The, some of the characters were part of the clan mm-hmm. like because like obviously it would have honestly been too easy if they weren't because they were white males who were frustrated with the system why wouldn't they have been part of the clan like that would have been no that would have made no sense to me honestly as much as it sucked because i was sad that they were part of the clan but right and that whole narrative of like the clan not starting out as bad like that is definitely what the book is saying but mm-hmm. when we look at history they it for started sure is because Right, and when we look at history, we see that they started as, like, more political because they, you know, hated the Republicans right, exactly. coming in. But they also, like, there was always a root in crime. And mm-hmm. they were very, I don't know, like, the section, the, not sections, like, the chapters of the clan were very autonomous and kind of worked, like, on their own. Right. Um, and also we see a lot of people committing crimes and like saying like oh it's because i'm part of the clan and they had like their little outfit but they weren't yeah. necessarily part of the clan so it was it was something that was always rooted in something bad and i think that's what we say in history and i think that is a conflict between right history and the book so according to the book like obviously i would agree with oh, you like sure. they're saying like oh the clan didn't have a bad uh, beginning but I don't think that's necessarily true <laughs> in, like, the real world. But in the world of the book, yeah, that's what's well, happening. And it's also interesting because I, I, like, didn't get the fact that, like, necessarily she was condoning it because, like, Scarlet the whole time, her main character was vehemently against it. She was like – and, I, okay, I won't necessarily say she was against it beca- for the right reasons. Scarlet was against it not necessarily because she thought it was really bad but because she thought it put, you know, people she loved in danger – because if they got caught, they would get be hung, essentially. So I don't necessarily, like, I think, like, yeah, like, her reasons for not liking the clan were probably not the best. But she still didn't necessarily, like, want the clan to exist. And she definitely didn't want people she knew and loved to be a part of it, which ended up happening. But Right. But we also see, like, first of all, Scarlet is... Like, again, she's kind of selfish, and she, she will latch on to whatever is in her own best interest. Which, again, right. like, there are positive things about. Like, I'm not just saying, like, let's bash Scarlet, which was also in yeah. the book a whole lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But <Yes>. when <laughs> we see um, Ashley and who's the other guy who comes Frank. back? Frank. Frank. Right, her second husband come Frank back Kennedy. from their um, clan gallivanting. That was fishy. Frank Kennedy. Yeah, so we... We see everybody else in 
full support of what they're doing. Besides, obviously, the people who are trying to stop them, but they're Northerners, so we don't we don't talk about them. But like, the book is definitely in full support, even if Scarlet is not. Right. At least that's how I read it for sure. Yeah, and that's like how I read it, it too. almost felt like justice had been done. You know, when Scarlet was molesting her, you know, her bodice was ripped <laughs> in two, and it's almost like. When they went out and, you know, took care of those two guys, it was like, oh, my gosh, justice. Like, you know, like, what if she had been raped? Like, how would I feel? They probably wouldn't have gotten justice otherwise. So they felt like they needed to take it in their own hands. And as a reader, you're, like, almost, like, satisfied. Like, yes. being like, Yeah, like, finally, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like, they got justice, you know, for her, for herself, you know. Because yeah. as a woman, that's the thing, like, I think of a fear-wise, I would fear above all else is, like, being raped. Mm -hmm. And not that she was, but, you know, it's, like, in that culture, not that it was equivalent, but it was very scandalous to have that happen to you, what happened to her. And I mean, it's still scandalous. Well, right, right. (laughs) It is, but, like, especially in that culture when, like, they couldn't even talk about sex or anything like that at all without it being very, very, very taboo. So the fact that it even like they even touched her breast was like a scandal in itself. Not even alone that they ripped open her bodice, is all I kind of mean. Not, not that it's not now, but you know what I mean. It's like it just seems so much <laughs> I hope worse. It's it just still it just like it just like seems so much worse back then. Like I don't know, but um, but then like if you think about it, you're like wait a second. Like I was just happy with the fact that they went and killed two people mm-hmm. and like that was a clan. So like, how do I rec- like, how do I, how do I reconcile how, these feelings? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it was interesting when, you know, you get invested in these characters and you can understand like, Oh wow, they're trying to defend like, this person they love's honor. And you get wrapped up in that and you're like, wait a second, but I know this is evil. But this so, is like, bad. That was, right. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. like such an interesting thing that I had never experienced. Right. It's like that. Oh, it's so interesting. It is so interesting. another point of racism. So, in the book, as soon as all the slaves get free, like, immediately they're, like, they just start thieving and raping everybody. That's why we need the clan. Like, that that whole, like, quick switch there just, like, really bothered me. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure some Uh, of that happened, but not to the extent. Right, I'm not saying that people are not bad. (laughs) <laughs> no, right. but like one of the problems that is have right. with the book is that like she upplays right, right, the right. crime mm-hmm. of the freed slaves, and then she downplays the clan's claim uh, involvement in it. Right. right. So it's like that both and is then what kind of pushes it over the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like both. Yeah. Yep. Right. Well, it was also There's other things too, but that especially. Like, it's yeah. interesting that it's, it's not like only racism that we talk about. It's also like classism as well because we see. You know, mm-hmm. her talking down about what they call, like, the white, white trash. trash. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, honestly, that's a... It had it just as much of an impact, I would say. Yeah. Because Scarlet is one of, like, the nobility of the Southern. So even the things that we're talking about, like, social customs and gender roles, like, we're only talking about a very small group of people. Yeah. yeah. That's portrayed, like, in this right. book. Yeah. Anyway. Right. <laughs> but... Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's just something that I was thinking a lot about while I was reading, and just wondered your guys' thoughts. I mean, it's just interesting. It's definitely, like I said again, that's, like, one reason that I really enjoy this book. Not that I necessarily agree with every single piece of it. Right. But, like, just even hearing a different perspective was just so refreshing and just interesting to me. Yeah. Which made me enjoy the book. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, like, hearing a different perspective also helps you, like, solidify your own beliefs. Because right. you, know, you can hear it and you can be like, no, that's wrong. Like, this, you know, like, this is why I believe what I believe. Right. And it's not that. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Um, so and I'm all for reading different perspectives. Like, I think we've talked yeah. about this a whole lot, like, on our podcast. Yeah. But I think this book, it meshes different perspectives it, together. So, I don't think the perspective I'm getting is necessarily totally of... So, like skirt, like somebody from the antebellum south, like a an yeah. elite person from the antebellum south. Right. And another thing that I thought it was interesting was I feel like there was a tad bit of feminist leanings in this book, and Annie and I have talked about it not on the podcast, <laughs> but um, Annie care to divulge things about character yeah. or Margaret Mitchell and yeah. her mother and stuff like that. Yeah. So Margaret Mitchell. Being in, like, the 1930s, she is the daughter of a suffragette, which is super interesting. Um, yeah. So, a lot of the things that we see in this book, you can tell that she's drawing from, like, first-wave feminist ideals. So, we see, let's see, um, so one of the major issues for first-wave feminism was temperance, because um, first-wave feminism kind of came out of the women's Christians temp. I can't even say it. Women's Christian Temperance Union. Um, so women were really trying to get the vote because they were seeing the horrible abuses of alcohol. And right, they wanted right. to do away with that by just getting rid of alcohol together, which you can argue whether eventually, that's good or bad. <laughs> eventually happened yeah. and did not succeed. Right. Yeah. So we see, even in the book, like, Scarlet abuses alcohol. It You can see, like, yeah. oh, alcohol is bad. Like... She doesn't say it as a moral, like, look at all of the bad effects of alcohol, but it's definitely in there, which I think is interesting. Um, and also birth control was a major issue for first wave feminism, and we see, you know, like, Scarlett does not like her children, and we also see Melanie, which Shannon mentioned about, like, oh, well, she went and got pregnant when she wasn't gonna live anyway, so we see there's kind of this unspoken, like, well, maybe if we had birth control, none of this would have happened. Oh, and also, Scarlet kind of just has a disdain for men in general, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and even, like, her different marriages, she never marries out of love. Um, yeah, like, yeah. Charles is out of spite. Frank was, like, out of Necess- need. Yeah, necessity. She was, yeah, necessity. She, like, manipulated men just so she was able to get yeah. what she wanted. Um, let's see. I There's think just a Rhett, lot of different... I think Rhett was out of love, but I don't think she realized it Not until, until it was too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, almost until it was too late, she realized, oh, in fact, I actually do love him. And I think, honestly, yeah. she started being interested in, like, liking him when he kept coming around and giving her presents all that time. Yeah. That's my opinion, because she's kept, like, describing, like, these little pitter-pat feelings and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, girl, you and then, like, like him, and totally you're not even admitting it. it. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. you like him. Freaking, like, figure out what that means. Yeah. She just couldn't get yeah. over Ashley to see. And yeah. it destroyed her marriage. Kind of like all, all of her marriages. marriages. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Man. But I also don't think Rhett was, like, a good person to be no, married to in general. But he I loved him though. Profiteer. I okay. Like <laughs> I like I I liked yeah. him. Okay. He was spunky and like he didn't support the war, which I appreciated. I mean he's like, this is a stupid war. They're gonna kill you guys in like five seconds because they have which is totally true. They had resources, they had so many more men. The only thing that they really didn't have 
as much of until much later was like military strategy because at first the south the south was technically winning the war and it wasn't much until later that they started getting their strategy and you know robert e lee was just like you know like kill everyone i don't care how many men i like lose (laughs) which was kind of horrible but um that's kind of ended up what happening but anywho he didn't like support it and he knew it was going to happen from the very beginning and i was like wow you have a very different perspective than your comparts who compadres who were just all like no we gotta lick him like we gotta tell him who show him who's boss and blah 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 and i'm like no he has like a good head on his shoulders he realizes he has logic that no one else has in this side of the united states which i appreciated um and i also appreciated the fact that he didn't care what anyone thought of him except for scarlet he did care about what she thought of him but anyone else and melanie okay he cared about her too but everyone else, he didn't care at all. And, like, maybe that wasn't great. But I kind of liked reading about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, someone who just didn't yeah. give a crap about what anyone thought of right. them. And, like, and that goes back to the, the original question that we asked at the very beginning of the podcast about what, like, attributes it takes to survive something like that. And I think that's right. what Rhett's whole thing was about. He just yes. didn't care. And he also took after Scarlet. Well, not really took after, but they both kind of shared the con or the the idea they had of being selfish and just using everything that's available to them to their own advantage. Like with the, yeah. um, the b- bombard. No, what's the, you know what I'm thinking of? Yeah, I know. Barricade? Not the barricade. His no. boat thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. The barge thing? Barge. <laughs> that's the word, barge. right? He was like yes. slipping in between the lines or whatever. And yeah. I can't whatever remember the that term is. now. It's not bombard. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Though. But he was like, yeah, getting all the supplies. Yeah. So he was like using both sides to his advantage. The north. Which and like the south. I'm like, dude, you're a smart guy. You're making money off this. <laughs> I'm like, but that also means he's a war profit. I mean, that's the thing is he didn't care about morals though. He was like, whatever's gonna benefit me. Which yeah. I was kind of like, you know, I kind of respect that a little bit. Like, you're not necessarily, you know tied to a cause and you're kind of just trying to look out for yourself i kind of respect the fact that you have the ingenuity to do this and make it work because <laughs> it seems pretty hard i can respect it but i don't agree with it <laughs> right i mean morally it's not great but yeah right i wasn't reading it for the morals i mean i wouldn't do that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think one of the things that i saw come up through the book a lot was individualism and i think that Rhett and scarlet really they both exemplified that like to the extreme and i think we see that through the the barge situation and you know like what i think what bothered me about Rhett, like in in terms of like faults was that he was not ever able to be honest i feel like most of the time i i don't know i i thought he was funny and i like always looked forward to when he showed back up in the book because i just felt like he I don't know, he pushed Scarlet's buttons, and I appreciate that. I appreciated that. Like, he pushed her, and like I said, the one thing that I feel like I wish that um, that would have honestly been better for the relationship to have actually worked is if he had just been honest with her about his feelings because the whole time, like, you know, when she finally realized she liked him, she wanted to tell him, but then, you know, he was snarky, and so she didn't feel like she could, and she felt like she had to yeah. belittle him instead. Because she felt ashamed of herself for liking him. And 
that's like something that I was like, oh man, I just feel like there's so much miscommunication. You guys don't know how to communicate to each other at all. And it's so frustrating because like you're not even trying to say like, hey, this is how I feel. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just a 21st century ideal and that just did never happen. But I was just so, you know, like upset by that because I felt like they were just people who kept missing each other but like could have worked. Um, and I think one thing that had the potential to help them work was their daughter that they had together. Um, she was adorable from, you know, what I read and she had a spicy personality and Rhett spoiled mm-hmm. her and was even willing to care what he thought about, like care what people thought about him and try mm-hmm. to go on this personal crusade to make life better for his daughter, Bonnie, so that, you know, she didn't have the same social outcast that, you know, Scarlett had kind of put them in by doing her business that she ran, you know, which we can talk about her business if we have time, but she basically ran this business and is very controversial. She's a woman. She's doing business. She had like a great mind for it. She was really good at math in her mind and she was um, working convicts for, you know, slave labor, but like with convicts, not, you know, black slaves or anything. So like that was kind of controversial. So, you know, it's a whole thing. And so she was an outcast, and so he was trying to rectify that because of her choices. He didn't want her, his daughter to grow up in that society and just be shunned from it. He wanted her to have friends. Um, and then, like, no, you know, like it seemed like they were on this great trajectory. And then once Bonnie died, which I was so frustrated, I was like, why did you let her jump that? Why did you let her jump? Why? She's a kid. They, like, let her jump this – he let her jump this fence that, like, was too high for her yeah. pony. I was so sad. Yeah. And, like, they and talked about how, like, she shouldn't do it. They were like, don't let her do it. And I was like, foreshadowing. No, no, no. And then, and then you know, it was, like, a foreshadowing to how her – how Scarlett's father had died as him. He jumped a fence and then he died, but um, – Which I thought was kind of random. Like, that was the first time it mentioned that. And, like, yeah. he had been dead for a while. Like, we saw him die, basically. Right. Oh. But um, that, like, made me really sad, and it seemed like after that, <laughs> oh, man, it was just so emotional. And, like, Scarlett blamed Rhett for Bonnie dying, which you should never do to spouse. That's just, that's so low, and that's horrible. Even if you feel that, like, that's just, like, a horrible thing to have guilt for, is thinking that you're the reason that your yeah. child is dead. Um. Scarlett had a miscarriage at one point, which, like, Rhett felt responsible for, and she actually really wanted the baby for the first time, which most of the, in the, novel, most of the time during the novel, she did not want babies. She really wasn't the best mother, um, which yeah, kind of points... Yeah, there was one line where she was, like, Wade was so taken care of by, like, Melanie. Right. Or just other people that sometimes she forgot she even had a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, she enjoyed forgetting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it just made me so sad. Um, and then like we kind of get, we kind of have that, and then we kind of get to the ending where Melanie dies. She realizes with Ashley, like, oh, we don't actually love each other. Ashley realizes finally, oh hey, I actually love my wife, but now she's dying. I'm like a little <laughs> late, buddy. And then Scarlett realizes why I don't actually love you either. Yeah. I think he knew though. I think Ashley knew that he loved Melanie the whole time and was just kind of keeping Scarlett, like, 
on the line. Even though Scarlett, like, yeah. went out of her way to make sure right. Ashley was still I mean, because Ashley life. even explained to Scarlett but... once that, like, he liked the quiet things or contemplating stuff, and, like, Melanie got that. Mm-hmm. And Scarlett was like, well, we can change that. Like, at the very beginning, when she was talking to, yeah. I think it was her father, about Ashley. Right. She was like, well, I can change him. And that was yeah. her whole... It's horrible. Like, reasoning mm-hmm. for why they would be good together. You shouldn't try to change your spouse. <laughs> Unless anyway. it's, like, for the... Right. You shouldn't, like, try to make them into someone or not. So many like, life she, lessons. She, like, wanted his personality to completely change. Um, so... But, so, the, the, so we get basically to the final scene, right? So Ashley, her, like, Dunzo, finally, took the entire 900-some pages, but they're done. Then we get to Scarlett being like, oh, my gosh, Rhett, I love you. And he's like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And basically we see him, like, leaving. And then her being like, oh, now what do I do? Like, I love him. And he's left. Like, how do I fix this? And that's how it ends. It's her being like, well, tomorrow I'll go to Tara and then I'll figure it out. I'll figure out what to do. I'll think about it tomorrow, which is kind of her mantra of the whole book. So so yeah. before we talk about how our feelings about the ending, I thought it was interesting. I actually looked this up, but when Margaret Mitchell wrote the book, she actually wrote it um, because she was bored. <laughs> she had broken her ankle. She had been working for or her leg or whatever she'd been working for, a journal, which I can't recall actually right now which one it was, but a journal, and she'd been reading like t- writing tons of articles, loved it, and then she broke her leg and was like, well, now what do I do? I can't do anything. So she wrote this book um, and actually ended up tragically dying because a car hit her before she was able to like write anything else. But um, when she wrote the book, she actually started by writing the last page of the book, and then she wrote everything else kind of like, in random order and then put it all together so it wasn't a you know chronological type right which I thought was very interesting that she started with the very last page and the very last page is almost like so unsatisfying to people who love endings which is like people like me that's my favorite part of books is the ending and ha- seeing it all ni- nicely tied up and wrapped into a bow which is why you know like usually if it's done well the last book of series is typically my favorite. But I have to say, I was very unsatisfied with the ending because I felt like it was so ambiguous what happened to the characters, and it was up to the reader's interpretation, which in one way is kind of unique, but in another way, I'm like, why couldn't you have just told us? Now I'll never know. And in interviews after which, yeah. after the novel had been produced, people asked her, okay, did she end up with Rhett? Did she not? She said, I don't know. She had no clue. She couldn't decide whether or not, like, they actually would have gotten back together. So, you know, in my, you know, optimistic view, I would like to think that they ended up together. But who knows? Who knows? What are your guys, what are your thoughts? I feel like when he left, it had a sense of finality to it. But, like, they didn't end up back together but I didn't like the ending either because it was just all falling yeah. apart and nothing like yeah there was no bow no bow it's There's not even no that bow. books need to have a happy ending it's not that it's just like they need to they need tie up to, together yeah do, do something yeah I've never been one who like needs everything to be like totally like tied in a knot and, yeah. and but I don't know 
Like with this book, like again, we know that I don't like it, but I think I was just so exhausted at the end that I was just happy. You happy it was over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, it didn't really bother me, but probably not for the same reasons that it normally doesn't bother me, yeah. if that makes sense. But with Rhett and Scarlet, like their dynamic was super interesting. And like, I think you're right. I think there is a sense of finality to him leaving. And I also think knowing what we know about their characters, they're both fairly self-destructive. Well, not really yeah. self-destructive, but they're just self in, self-involved people that I don't think they necessarily we'll would have come out. back. Yeah. yeah. Right. But from the other perspective, <laughs> I mean... From the Scarlet, happy perspective. <laughs> well, and it's not even just a happy perspective. I mean, if you look at Scarlet throughout the entire novel... When she has her mind set on something, she does it somehow. Mm -hmm. She does it. And it seemed to me, like, at the very end of the book, for the first time in her life, she was determined to get something that, like, was actually good for her, if that makes any sense. It was like she finally wanted something that she could actually have and actually wouldn't be bad. Um, And to me, the whole book, like, was... I mean, you talked about strength and, you know, her survival. Um, That, to me, was part of her personality, is very determined. Will do anything it takes to get her desires. And to me, um, where did that start? Like, where did that determination start? I mean, we could say earlier in the book, but, like, to me, I really saw that her take her own in that when she was back at Terra. And so, like, we see that often throughout the book of her pointing back to Terra and being like, I'll go home. That's what will make it better. Mm-hmm. And she'll, it's like, always home. It almost is like she was just, like, you think she might have just been regrouping? Like, I'll right. go to Terra. Right. Like, it's like the place she goes to, like, find herself almost again and, like, realize who she is yeah. and, you know, what she wants and, like, what to do. Yeah. Because before it was because of her mother being there. But eventually it became because of the land being there yeah. and, like, what the land yeah. what was and what it represented to her. Yeah. And this is, um, I think, the one way I have saw her grow up throughout the book. Because at the beginning, she's when she's having that conversation with her father about Ashley, her father makes the point of, like, oh, the only thing valuable in life is land <laughs> and having, like, roots. And she kind of laughs at him is like, no way. And then she kind of realizes that there is value in that later on. Yeah. So that that is the one way I think she grew up a little bit. Right. I liked how that was full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, like, on the optimistic side, you could take the fact that, like, that's been her character throughout the novel. And for the first time in her life, she's trying to genuinely win him back because she wants him. And I think from that perspective, it's not at that point going to be, well, I hope, but who knows, from selfish desire, but from more like, no, because she truly loves him and cares about him and wants him to be loved and, like, wants to love him in a way that he always did for her, yeah. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like, that's the hopeful perspective of, like, yeah, it can either be final on Red's part, but, like, it, it could also be optimistic on her part, part to be, like, hey, finally, you know, like, I'm going to show this person true love and, like, appreciate them like I always should have. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, and to me, I'm, like, I, I want to cling to that because, like, that's a desire of my heart is, like, whenever I mess up, you know, I want to know that I can still 
be loved and like love others, you know, and forgiveness and yeah. all that stuff. So that's like what I hope would happen, you know, I but whether like it did or not, I don't know. I do. I didn't even think about that option. I, I'm that's gonna... just like, <laughs> that's what yeah. I wanted to happen, you know? So, and then like, you alternate know, ending, in my optimistic alternate ending, she would get, she, they, they would keep their marriage and then they would move somewhere else because Atlanta has too much darkness for them. They need somewhere else, even if it's Tara, I don't care, but like somewhere else where they can just be them and not have the past like being in their face all the time. Yeah. And then I would hope that, you know, she'd become a better mother and <laughs> they would have like another kid and would be able to like continue raising a family. That's what I would hope, but whether that happens or not, who knows? But that's, you know, like the optimistic times 10 perspective yeah. that I could ever think up. But it's because, and the only reason I say that is because of the fact that with Bonnie, it seemed for the first time towards the very end before she died that she was being very loving towards her children for the first time in the entire book. And obviously that kind of went down south once Bonnie died, but just seeing that makes me think that maybe this was like a turning point for her, even though it was like the very end of the novel. But I don't know. So that's why I'm unsatisfied. Yeah. I mean, it's all up in the air now. And I think that's why I gave it four out of five. Because I, like, it's like, no, ending, give me an ending. Yeah. <laughs> so, it made you imagine. Whew. Right. That was a book, ladies. Was. That was a long book. Do you want to do additions? Yeah. So I um, listened to the first half, or a little bit over half, like .6 of the book. Um, I listened to it on an audiobook that I got from the library. And it was really good, but I went on um, a business trip and knew that I couldn't like listen to all of it all the time. And so I checked out a physical book also from the library and that book um, was published by the Macmillan Company. Um, I mean, it originally was published in 1936 and I don't think this was like the original book, but it looks really old. <laughs> yeah, it has uh, Scarlet and Rhett on the cover uh, looking at Tara. So, my edition was this Scribner reissue edition that was published May 3rd, 2011, if we want to be specific. <laughs> um, and it was 959 pages. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, and it's a really pretty edition cover-wise. It has a nice kind of half portrait <laughs> of, like, this beautiful red scarlet dress with flowers on it, which I was assuming is because it's, like, her name's Scarlet, but I could be making that up, so don't quote me. Um, I read, or I listened to it, actually, um, just because I was, like, very pregnant at this point and didn't really have time to sit down with a thousand-page book and read it. Um, so I listened to, it's the Recorded Books Company, I guess, and it was released on July 8th, 2016. It was good. The lady's voice was nice and soothing. And she sang the songs, which nice. I liked. Like, with actual tunes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we may have listened to the same audiobook. Cause my yeah, I liked that a lot. Yep, she did in mine, too. Yeah, it actually was cool to hear the music. So, Susie's next. 
We're going to read Sense and Sensibility. Um, we're going back to Jane Austen, our very first author from our very first podcast. And this was published um, in 1811. And I'm excited. I've never read this I before. Have. I don't think any of us have read it before. I, <laughs> I, read, it, I read it in high never school, mind. though, so it's been a really long time. So I'm sure I will probably enjoy it much, much more now that I'm older. Yeah. I liked it, but I'm sure I'll like it even more. Yeah. So. Yay! Now this will be this will be the fact that, like each of us now will Yay. have like reread a book once during the podcast. Yep. Alrighty, till next time, everybody. Excited. Bye. Goodbye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation on Gone with the Wind. Check out the episode description for links to our drinks, Goodreads accounts, and more. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, etc., feel free to email us at readingmindspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you next month with our book club on Sense and Sensibility. Until then, bye friends.